goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, my friends, to the Tuesday edition of Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us, 800-848-9222. Of course, news bursting at the seams. The big vote in New Hampshire is on this afternoon. Analysis all over the place. Some of it warnings to the GOP, oh, they're getting ready to cross the Rubicon they have a choice. This is, there's another story today. Canada is bracing themselves and beginning to prepare themselves. The Trudeau administration, just the possibility that Donald Trump might become president of the United States again, et cetera, et cetera. There's a hilarious story in the Washington Post by some guy, Aaron Blake. It's a piece of so-called analysis. Trump's increasing flubs risk blunting his big polling edge on mental sharpness. They're trying to, he's basically trying to muddy the water. Donald Trump made a, he, he confused, apparently, I didn't even bother reading the story because it was inconsequential. Supposedly he accused, uh, 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 got mixed up between Nikki Haley and Pelosi. I mean, isn't that fairly, you have it. Okay, I've never heard of Diego. Let's just go ahead and play it. And see what this is, okay? By the way, they never played. Report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they, did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything, deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it. Lots of things like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people, soldiers, National Guard, whatever they want. They turned it down. They don't want to talk about that. Yeah, okay, so what? This is a guy that is facing multiple trials. This is a guy, it never stops. He's in courtrooms, he's out of courtrooms, he's on his plane here, there, everywhere. Yeah, okay, he had a he he had the name Nikki Haley on his brain, thinking about Nancy Pelosi. That happens to people that are young, gur than Donald Trump, a lot younger. That happens to people in their twenties, thirties. That can happen to kids. They mistake someone's name for someone else when they're, when they're, their brain is overrunning with thought. Big deal. So we get to Washington Post, his increasing flubs. Okay, you put any gaffes of, Don, of Donald Trump. Let's, I tell you what, Washington Post, Amazon Prime, Washington Post. Let's do a map. Every single flub that Joe Biden has made, gaff, incorrect remark over the past Six years compared to Donald Trump. You wouldn't dare. Nonsense. Oh, I should issue a warning. You know, I've had some hearing issues due to an infection, due to all kinds of... I went back to the doctor today. My ears are healing. We're not all there yet. But... He told me the last time, I told you, he put me on those steroids, and yes, I'm on a tapered approach to get off of them. And he warned me that I might have days of rage with this. I had a day of rage today. I went off 
on something I would normally not go off on. I'm not going to just say what it just it was brutal. Who was the and poor in the victim? Middle of it, I don't even. And I'm and, and I'm shaking. My hands are shaking as I'm going off, and I'm saying, "This is the drugs. This is the drugs. This is not me." So anyway, if I go off today on somebody by mistake, it's the drugs. It's not me. Me. The drugs are just letting me do what I really never mind. Um <clears throat> I would like to take a moment, ladies and gentlemen, in very all in all seriousness. I very, very rarely would come to this microphone and sing the high praises of anyone in the mainstream media. The mainstream media is largely responsible for the cultural deterioration of America. They're responsible for so many things that are ill and bad about this country, and they rest on the doorstep of their the abusive relationship that the mainstream media has to the Democrat Party, to socialists, and even communists around the world. That's real. That's a fact. There is, however, to me, very sad news today in the media. Charles Osgood, host of CBS for many, many years, television and radio, passed away today at the age of 91. For those of us who grew up when there were three major networks, CBS, NBC, what's the other one? Yes, ABC, I'm just kidding. And ABC. By the way, did you know, uh, Diego, that ABC and NBC were the same network when they first started? Same network. One was called the Red Network. One was called the Blue Network. Funny how that works. I think I now learned they're... it in my uh, communications, uh, in my media yeah. class, but I fell, <laughs> I fell asleep in that class. <laughs> mm, don't blame me. Yeah, those <laughs> who... No, those who do are doing. The rest of them are teaching. Um, think about that. Um, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Charles Osgood hosted the longest-running radio program, well, one of the longest, The Osgood File. His commentary, his remarks for radio. But on television, Charles Osgood hosted CBS Sunday Morning for many years. And he took that show over from another great great journalist that CBS had. This one, CBS, was truly, for the, for some part, the Tiffany Network. They had, that's what they were called back then because they seemed to stand head and shoulders above every other news organization. Uh, students of broadcast history will know that is largely because of William Paley, the founder of CBS, and the emphasis, of course, their liberals' credentials are never really brought out when you talk about how, quote-unquote, great they are when you look at Edward R. Murrow and the likes of Walter Cronkite. The, the liberal part of that is never discussed in history. But back to Charles Osgood, and I shouldn't give this little short tribute and to anyone else. Stop talking about these other people and talk about Mr. Osgood. Charles Osgood was one of the most in 
credible broadcasters, not only of his age, but of the entire age of broadcasting. Charles Osgood never came to any media performance that he did unprepared. More than that, he could make you like whatever it was he was discussing. Rush Limbaugh, and he shared that. Things that you would never think you might be interested in. If Charles Osgood was talking about it, you were interested because of his presence, because of his demeanor, because of his pleasantness. He brought decency to his work, and the decency exuded from him and through the airwaves. I watched that Sunday morning show, and so did millions of other Americans. With regularity every week, it was appointment viewing. And you left it. And the way that they would leave that show, I don't know whether they still do. I stopped watching CBS a long time ago, Sundays. The way they would leave the show would just be with a beautiful video piece. No narration. They would find one of the most beautiful things about American landscape, nature, whatever it was. And that's how they would end the program each week. And that, too, was so well done and so beautiful. You left the show feeling, no matter how bad the news was, and there was a lot of bad news during those years, for the most part, we lived through so much negativity. We lived through the assassination of American presidents. We lived through the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. We lived through the assassination of Bobby King one month later. We lived through a war that brought this country to to almost civil war inside the country. We lived through riots. We lived through all of this stuff. But every morning on Sunday, for the most part, you could leave Charles Osgood and feel good, even if it was just for a minute. He never gave up his look. He was one of those guys that loved the bow tie, He was just a classic, and he passed away. I didn't know that he lived right here still in the area, in Saddle River, New Jersey. He was a poet, and he brought poetry into TV at time, too. He was just a masterful, masterful broadcaster. And he brought many hours of happiness to me. And so I'd just like to thank Charles Osgood for being such a wonderful journalist in an age where we don't see very many of them anymore. And pass along condolences to his family on his passing. He was an American great. And there's not going to be another, just like there won't be another rush, there's not going to be another Charlie Osgood. On that, I'm going to take a little break a little bit early. I want to come back and delve into some news with you. 800-848-WABC. Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. Yeah, you remember this, the box tops. 
And there's a very funny letter story with Rush. Those of you remember the infamous letter. But we'll save that for another day. This is one of the first songs I learned uh, as a middle schooler playing with other people playing in a band at uh, oh, School nice. Rock. Because it's like somewhat easy, you know? Yeah, the changes are open to that. Yeah. Billy Cobham, I'm sorry, Billy Cobham, on the brain, I was listening to him last night. Billy Cunningham was the bass guitarist and keyboard for the box tops. He has a heavenly birthday today. Well, he has a birthday today. Not a heavenly birthday. Don't get him there early. Born in 1950. The letter on WABC Talk Radio 77. Snurdly with you. Coming back soon. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. You remember this. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, unless you're in San Francisco, the hurry seems to help. I know downtown. 1965. Single chart. Since Verna Lynn did it in the 50s. This was such a huge record. Let's head quickly to the telephones. Grab a call right now. Steve in Brooklyn. Steve, welcome. You're on Boston Early's Rush Hour. How are you doing, Steve? Yeah, wow, Petula Clark immediately following Charles Osgood. What a great few minutes. Um, I agree with you on Charles Osgood. So does most of the nation. But one thing that people don't really remember unless they witnessed it on the Sunday morning, poet he was, gentleman, wonderful bow tie, as you pointed out. But at the end of every one of his shows, he would give a scene, a video scene of nature. And there were so many people who were city-bound, who were from the inner city, never got out of New York's five boroughs, who had never seen a lake, who had never seen a flight of ducks uh, flying um, in the air together, uh, a scene of the quiet of the woods with the occasional deer showing up. And what he did was he created poetry out of nature to people who never had a chance to see it, if they were homebound, if they were crippled. And his life itself had had richness and poetry as part of his daily activity. I'll never forget that, and you didn't either. I did not. And Charles Osgood was just an American icon in terms of a broadcaster. And I thank you for your remembrances, because they reaffirm everything. When you, when you said millions, and we all knew that there were millions of people around the country sharing what we were sharing. And I'm telling you, the guy just exuded class. He was a 
Charles Osgood class act all the way. Total class. And thank you for sharing that with us. During Steve. the final um, moments of his shows, it was absolutely silent except for the sounds that were That's nature. right. That's right. It was, it was beautiful. You described it. He used video to actually create a sense of poetry and a wonderful media scape. And no one else on TV was doing that. That Charlie Osgood, and, and you have to also hand it to the crew at CBS. I mean, they used to go out and find those things. He didn't do the work himself. He, he, all of it. But it was a, that was a heck of an organization back then. And they really did deliver great, great broadcasting with Charles Osgood at the helm of that Sunday show. It was amazing. And it just left a warm spot in your heart. So thank you for sharing that. I want to share something else with you that happened. The Democrat contender that the that Democrats, Joe Biden, have shut out of the political process while they whine and whine and moan about the dangers of Trump destroying democracy. They have shut this guy, this congressman, Dean Phillips, out. They they blocked him from the ballot. He can't get hurt. He's up in New Hampshire trying to campaign, and I do hope that by the end of the day, at least some people acknowledge that there is another Democrat running. The Biden campaign, as mean-spirited as they are, have never even granted Robert Kennedy Jr. Secret Service protection, despite the threats to him. And these people whine and moan about democracy. Well, I want you to listen to a bite from Dean Phillips. You may not have heard him before, but listen to this and I think you might be a little surprised if you haven't heard it already. We have a crisis of participation. And I got to tell you guys, I went to a Donald Trump rally a couple nights ago. Never been to one. Uh, I had an event across the street. I saw the line of people waiting in the cold for hours. And I thought, what the heck? You know, I'm going to be a leader who actually invites people, doesn't condemn them. Met probably 50 Trump people waiting in line. Every single one of them, thoughtful, hospitable, friendly. All of them so frustrated that they feel nobody's listening to them but Donald Trump. A diverse crowd, people who had never been to a Trump event before. My party is completely delusional right now. I want to play that again because there are some things I want to point out to you that went by very quickly. Democrats always talk about diversity. This is one of the things that gets rarely reported about any Trump rally. It's not just a bunch of white folks from one age demographic. You find a cross-section of America at Trump events. He also talked about the way that these people behaved, carried themselves, conducted themselves, interacted with him, a Democrat running for president of the United States. And we'll listen to what he said about them. Now, this is the same thing. And this goes back to me, and it's personal for me, because the way that the mainstream media these days has portrayed, of course, the MAGA types, they're all a bunch of crazed left, right-wing, far, far right-wing lunatics who are out of their minds with rage and anger, the same way they tried for many years to demonize Rush Limbaugh's vast audience. Yet, if you went to an event... Anywhere that Rush was with a bunch of, these are the nicest people in America. They are sweet. They're nice. 
I remember when we did Dan's Bake Sale, you had up to 100,000 people show up. And you know what? One of the things that was incredible was that the town of Fort Collins, Colorado, when the event was over, they did not have to spend thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars cleaning up because the people that came cleaned up after themselves. They left Fort Collins pristinely clean. That's who these people are. They are salt of the earth. They are America's heartland people. They are Americans through and through that have good spirits, good hearts. And these people have been demonized now from the rush days with the Rush Limbaugh people, the people in the Tea Party, the same way. I've gone to many Tea Party events back when the Tea Party was out. These people were wonderful, just great people, fun people to be with. But they cared passionately about their country, and they wanted to preserve this country for their children and for their grandchildren. Yet, if you look at the press, these people from the MAGA people to the Tea Party, to the ditto heads before them, have all been castigated, demonized by the same agents of hate, that being the Democrat Party slash their allies and flunkies in, and subsidiary uh, 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 partners in the mainstream press. So let's listen to that bite from Dean Phillips one more time and get all of the nuances as he describes who these Trump voters are that he saw standing in line for hours. And so curious was he that he had to go, hey, I'm going to go to this Trump rally myself. We have a crisis of participation. I got to tell you guys, I went to a Donald Trump rally a couple nights ago. Never been to one. Uh, I had an event across the street. I saw the line of people waiting in the cold for hours. And I thought, what the heck? You know, I'm going to be a leader who actually invites people, doesn't condemn them met probably 50 Trump people waiting in line, every single one of them thoughtful, hospitable, friendly, all of them so frustrated that they feel nobody's listening to them but Donald Trump. A diverse crowd, people who had never been to a Trump event before. My party is completely delusional right now. Now, add to that that Jamie Dimon, who served in liberal administrations, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, he is a liberal. He is a known leftist. But in recent days, Jamie Dimon has been speaking out. Jamie Dimon said during a CB, uh, CNBC interview, we have to take a step backwards and be honest. He said Donald Trump was kind of right about NATO, kind of right on immigration. He grew the economy quite well, trade tax reform worked. He was right about some of China. But then Jamie Dimon, liberal, he said the Democrats have done a real good job with the deplorables, hugging their Bibles and beer in their guns. I mean, really? Really? Can we stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people respectfully and listen to them a little bit? And I do think the economy will affect. I think this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. And then you contrast that with what you're hearing from Dean Phillips, Democrat running for president. These people run on hate. They run on division. They run on creating lies about who their opponents are. 
The thing is, we don't have to lie about Democrats. When we tell you that they are letting criminals run amok, we're not lying. You see the evidence in city after city. When we tell you that they're abusing children with their policies, whether it's putting pornography in schools or putting up kids to be uh, to be surgically transferred from their birth gender, we tell the truth about who they are. They lie about who we are because they cannot tell the truth about who we are. It's starting to come out. Many of you know this one. The night. That very, very special. The Dells. Do you remember a girl? I remember a girl. Special girl. Always. Or to the old and to the new. We rededicate this song to you. On this day in 1998, Johnny Funches from the Dells passed away of pneumonia. This is one of the amazing stellar groups out of Chicago. The Chess Label. Most nervous rush out here on WABC. Known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. This day in 1978, one of the saddest moments in musical history due to utter stupidity. The great. One of, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest guitar players of our lifetime, Terry Kath, the original guitarist with and founder, one of the founders of Chicago, accidentally shot himself dead. He was hanging out in a roadie's house out in L.A., where else? So he picks up a semi-automatic 9mm. Don't worry about it. Look, the clip's not even in it. So he shows the empty magazine, he thinks empty, to the roadie, puts the magazine in the gun, puts it to his head, pulls the trigger, and Terry Cass' life is over. One of the most amazing musicians in history done just like that utter stupidity it still makes me mad and sad at the same time i never knew this story and it makes me mad right now too this guy was this guy was immensely talented
Anyway, this day in history, we lost Terry Kath. I'm going to... This is Terry Kath. Turn it up. Turn up the volume. You guitar lovers. Listen to Terry Kath play. WABC Boston Early's Rush Hour Remembering the musical genius of Terry Cat Wawa time WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden and Bo Snurley with you here. Let's head back to the telephones. Let's go to Dennis in Long Island. Dennis, how are you? Okay. Uh, I I was listening to Greg Kelly a little earlier, and he thinks Donald Trump uh, used uh, the wrong name instead of Pelosi. He used her name to say that uh, about the uh, about him ordering ten thousand troops and all the documents being destroyed because the press would not say it if he said it was Pelosi. So he he used Nikki Haley's name. So he, so so, so, would, so Greg Kelly believes this was a planned move by Donald Trump to insert the name of Nikki Haley. Trust to put put it out. Oh, yeah, well, I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but the idea that the Washington Post is trying to make a big deal out of it when we have nothing but wall-to-wall gaffes and flubs from Joe Biden and we have the word salad express from his vice president, Kamala Harris, it's just it's just silly. So, again, I don't know whether it was accidental or what. It doesn't even matter. I didn't even bother to read the story. For goodness sakes, all the things that Donald Trump is dealing with, even if it was a mistake, big whoop, it's not a big deal. But I so appreciate your call, Dennis. Thank you. Brian, in Summit, New Jersey, I'm taking it. Brian, welcome. You're on WABC with Bo Snurry. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, James. Uh Love the music selections, and I will never listen to Chicago the same way ever again. That, I never heard that story either. Uh, but what I was calling about was um, I'm very concerned about the upcoming election. Uh, I've been a Trump supporter, you know, since he came down the escalator. And um, I just feel uh, that the Democrats will not allow him to become president again. They will do whatever is possible. I just lost uh, lost confidence in the election system that we let have. Let me in this say country. something, Brian. Brian, let, let me urge you to do something, my friend. Let me urge you to do something. Even if you spend only an hour or two, go to one of the polling paces, be one of the observers, 
take your fear of what's going to happen in the election and turn it into something good. Turn it into you being a part of the solution. Okay, and to everybody in this vast and ever-growing audience who fears that we are headed for a repeat of shenanigans, I urge you, don't sit with your fear. Take action. Volunteer. Go out there. Become part of the process. Do something. Let's just not sit around and let fear rule us. Become a part of the solution. After that, we have to leave it in God's hand. But do everything you can do to make sure that we don't let them get away with their shenanigans this time around. And I hear you, Brian. I understand. I get it. And there's not much you can do. I know if they pull this, oh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, let's stop counting the vote business again. Except to be everywhere they're counting, we should be there in one form or another. Thank you for the call, Brian. John on Long Island. Thank you for calling. Good afternoon, Bo. Good afternoon. Yes, Bo, uh, I just wanted to add something unique uh, to the conversation regarding Mr. Uh, Charles Osgood, who was actually Mr. Wood. And uh, I think he came to New York uh, last century and began his career. His name was Mr. Wood, but I believe there was a prominent stage actor with the same last name, Wood. So he used he went by the name of Charles Osgood. Anyway, fast forward. I had the privilege of working for uh, Charles Osgood at his home in the Osborne residence uh, at uh, 57th and 7th, diagonally across from Carnegie Hall. I worked usually two parties a year, first two Saturdays in December. First party was a tree trimming party, and uh, uh, women in taffeta dresses climbed a seven-foot uh, ladder to decorate the tree. Those were his personal friends. Following Saturday, he had a party for Sunday morning uh, segment uh, anchors and producers. Uh, and uh, so I saw the likes of Bill Geist and Bo Rocca and uh, Charles plays the piano uh, t- and uh, for, you know, Christmas carols. And I basically, was, I was just a waiter there. I was a cater waiter going around and serving the drinks refilling glasses of wine, but uh, he was a very good piano player. And uh, so uh, I'm just, I'm just very emotional about it because he was a class act, a gentleman. And I just want all your listeners to know that uh, the reason I think why people loved him was because he treated the little people the same way he would treat his bosses or the high and mighty privileged. And, uh, he was like Regis Philbin. What you saw was what you get. Uh, he didn't distinguish people by class or race or gender. He was the same way, even-handed with everybody. Wow. What a tribute. What a tribute. And that, my friends, is what life is all about. When you can have somebody like John call you, And John, just give off the cuff these beautiful remembrances of the character 
that you exude, not even know, not even knowing that you're that you that people are observing you in this way. I'll tell you, that says a lot about your character. And that's just an amazing story, John. Thank you for sharing that with us. Really do appreciate it. It is time to check in with Lou Dobbs on WABC Talk Radio 77. This was number one on this day. You know who it is. 1988. MJ. The third single from Bad. You know, Michael had written over 60 songs for that album. He wanted to do a triple album, a triple Whoa. disc album. Yeah, Quincy talked him out of it. Quincy Jones. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Yeah, no, I'm not listening to that. Uh-uh. But it, but <laughs> Sorry, Bo, real quick. Rich just walked into the control room and did a Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, really? It was like, <laughs> but I'm like, do that again on the air. And he's like, no. So now I'm sad. Oh, we have to get him to do that one day. Let's get him w- to do that. <laughs> yeah, WABC Talk Radio 77, Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. Checking in with Lou Dobbs. Your phone call is coming up, 800-848. Oh, there's some Fanny Gate news. But it's not Fanny Gate. I, I, it's Fanny Gate, but it's not Fanny. From fa- I'll explain when we get back. Okay, yeah, do explain. Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so the other day, ladies and gentlemen, Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here. We did our Fanny Gate update, and Diego slammed this one on. And I was like, yeah, this kind of works. Met Marmalade down in old New Orleans. Well, today we have a Fanny update, but it's not Fanny. But it's still Fanny update. And this song was so prescient. We were ahead of the curve on this. We call this before everybody else. We did this. We were ahead of the Fanny. Embattled New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell is being probed. She's being probed for an alleged affair with a local police officer. They billed $14,000. He pulled a fanny. He, he, he ditched his wife. He headed out with this woman. She happens to be a woman of color, by the way. She's the mayor of New Orleans. So just like Fanny, 
he ditches his wife to hang out with this fanny. They're hanging out in hotel rooms everywhere. Now she's being probed. This improper relationship. And the officer in question has admitted the adulterous activity to his former spouse. It's in court. And Louisiana taxpayers were paying for the fanny time. So here's another guy chasing the fanny. Getting the fanny. He's got the New Orleans Mayor fanny. Mayor Cantrell's fanny. So in Georgia, you got Fanny's fanny being taken for a ride or doing the riding. I don't know which. And here in Louisiana, New Orleans, we got Mayor Latoya Contrell, Fanny being taken for a ride or doing the riding. I don't know which. This thing is going around. The Fanny rules. The Fanny has power. I think we need to do a super pack. In support of the Fanny, the Fanny Super Pack, the Fanny Pack. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. And let's go to Jerry in New Jersey. Jerry, you're on. Yeah, hi, uh, Bo. You know, you're right. What we need is many people at the polls legally there to poll watch, you know, legally, and a lot of them should be attorneys, and they should absolutely be ready to call judges if something goes wrong. And number two, what we do not need, this is very important, we don't need any Charlottesvilles. We don't need, we do not need any January 6th. We do not need any Charlottesvilles. We do not need any silly things like that or any form of violence from any MAGA people or anybody to do with the Trump organization or any Republicans because we will move, number one, it's illegal. And we don't do illegal things. We respect police, law, and judges. And number two, it will get you civilly in trouble also. And number three, we don't want to lose the middle-of-the-road vote. Amen to you, Jerry. Thank you. Perfect sense. Let's head up to New Jersey City and Steve. Steve, got to do it quick. Time's running out. Number one, your call screen is wonderful. Number two, to say I love your show is an understatement. Number three, in 1970, Jimi Hendrix was either interviewed by Playboy or Rolling Stone, and he was asked, who's the greatest guitarist alive? He mentioned the usual suspects, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, Steve Howe. But he said, number one, the greatest guitarist alive, Terry Cat. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Thank you for that. Wow. I didn't know that. That's so awesome. Okay, we leave the show on a bright note. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. And you are one of my loved ones. I love being with you. Love and gratitude for you allowing me to be with you and your being with me. God willing, we are back tomorrow to do it again on Wednesday for Wednesday's Boston Early's Rush Hour. Till then, bye.